Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan discuss the Twins' two-game series against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kupis, and with me as always is Dan Thompson. The Twins had a quick two-game series at home against the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Dodgers haven't been here, Dan, in several years, and I don't know that I want to see them come back anytime soon, unless it's the World Series. You know, I was just with a buddy who's a Padres fan, and I said to him, so this is what it's like to play them. You got to play them 19 times in a year? Good riddance. What is it? I think it's eight losses in a row now to the Dodgers for the Twins. It's embarrassing. Like, it's one of those things where I know that they call them Yankees West, but I wish they that wasn't so true in regards to the Twins, you know, record against those teams as well. Do you remember there was a point in game one where they thought maybe this game was going to be over, like in the fifth inning because of weather? And that became what seemed like the longest baseball game game ever um so anyway i know we'll get more to that but uh no i'm glad good good riddance to the dodgers they're gone the twins though did drop to two and four on the season after losing these games um not the homestand that they would have wanted especially with the lost opportunities they had in the first couple of mariners games knowing that you were going to face the dodgers who are pretty often ranked as the number one power ranked team in the mlb let's just go to the series recap i think david series recap game one dan as you sort of foreshadowed this one was broken up by a pretty aggressive rain delay and i can tell you dan i'm only about four miles directly from the stadium where my house is and it was raining hard lightning thunder the whole the whole shebang dan and i wish i wish they just would have called the game or said hey let's pick it up tomorrow and so we didn't have to deal with the rest of this just terribleness weather really mattered in this game in a way that it doesn't always because it even changed the strategy it seemed like of how the twins were playing um the twins do get a a tying run there in the fifth inning but then after that i mean it was it was all rain and all dodgers it just seemed like there was nothing that the twins could do right and i'd say in both of these games what frustrated me the most is it just seemed like the twins had kind of given up what are you doing and like granted in game one after they score six in the eight you can understand giving up at that point but game two we'll talk about this as well the atmosphere in the dugout for the twins just seemed like they were like "Eh, yeah we'll, we'll probably lose these that's okay it's almost like the twins thought this game was supposed to be over after the fifth or sixth inning and yes. then it was late i mean how late was it when this game actually ended it was it after midnight it was very late yes disappointing they lose this one seven to two correa has a couple hits uh he also got booed pretty brutally by the dodgers <laughs> fans at target field which was entertaining which there were um, more dodgers fans i think than twins fans in both of these instances well because there weren't that many fans i mean the the listed attendance is only sixteen thousand for game one which i guess given the weather and such but it's the dodgers we talked about this it's not yeah often but it, it's that sixteen thousand tickets sold how many people were actually there Dan there ain't no way there were 16,000 people there what I was hoping for David is the twins score two runs in the fifth inning there and then that's it right and then the game is over but it ended up lighting up for a little while and they and they kept playing 
Yeah, a little disappointing. I thought they might try and just tack it on to the game today, but that wasn't in the cards. I think that would have given the Twins a better opportunity. But the bright spot here, though, Chris Archer's debut for the Twins, Dan. Four innings pitched, two hits, three strikeouts. It's a pretty clean line. Now, granted, it's only four innings, right? However, I think that Archer is the largest wild card right Bundy is Mm -hmm. kind of a reclamation project but he's at least had success recently like in the in the Mm -hmm. very recent past where Archer is like we've talked about this so much it's been so many years since Archer has been good that to see him have a outing like this against the Dodgers to start the season it's a good sign I think and he was dang excited during those innings too striking guys out pitching well I thought that was encouraging I thought it was a little strange how the pitchers went after that Josh Winder comes in and pitches one inning and then that was it. I was just, I don't know. Anytime you see, what, eight guys pitch in a game, that's not a good sign. <laughs> Fieldbar didn't look great. He ended up giving up three runs. Romero comes in and gives up a couple more, just one earned. But things really unraveled for the Twins, and, and they had plenty of opportunities. They were one for 14 with runners in scoring position. Yeah, the other thing about the Twins pitching, Dan, they gave up nine walks in this game. And you can't give a team like the Dodgers that many base runners. And no. they took advantage. They had three stolen bases, including a double steal in The there. double steal on Winder was unforgivable. Like, Winder was not doing a good enough job of keeping those guys close to the bag. And and it makes me wonder, so Sanchez threw a, a ball into center field the last series. <laughs> Jeffers throws one into center field this time. I, like... At some point, aren't teams going to realize, oh, maybe we could just always run against the <laughs> Twins because they can't even, like, literally can't throw the ball accurately to second base. They'll pull a Batista where they just they take a walk to first and they just keep walking on to second because they're like, yeah, the catcher's probably not going to be able to throw me out here. Oh, I tell you, it was just just a very frustrating, ugly loss there to the Dodgers that looked like a game the Twins could win up until the eighth inning. I was told, Dan. The defensive upgrades were going to help this pitching staff to no end. It was going to be night and day compared to last year. Dan, the Twins currently have the second most errors in the MLB. Well, it is one weekend, but that is really concerning. They they have not looked good defensively at all. Um, let's go ahead and move to game two, which felt like it happened about 10 hours after the first game. <laughs> Similar result, Dan. <laughs> There's a lots of interesting things here to say if you're a Dodgers fan, I suppose. We'll try to spin it in the Twins way. Uh, the Twins do lose this one. Gosh, what was it, 12-1? to 1? Uh, That's what it felt Seven- like. 7-0 was the final score. Oh, I'm sorry, 12-1. 11-1 was the hits. Oh, uh, I was oh, looking yeah. in the wrong column. Didn't matter. Actually, Same the Twins had more <laughs> errors than hits in this game, so that's a little discouraging. <laughs> it's clear that the Dodgers knew Paddock and knew him well. Uh, they roughed him up to the tune of three runs and six hits and four innings. Uh, just didn't feel good right out of the gate. No, he looked rough. And I do wonder, will he get better when the Twins pitching staff has time to work with him? Because he just got here, right? Like he was traded on opening day for the MLB season. They wouldn't have traded for that kid unless they thought that they could get something out of him more than the Padres have. Speaking of pitchers getting developed, Clayton Kershaw, I don't know if you've heard of him. <laughs> no, um, no is he, a he had this a year? perfect seven inning game. I'm going to save my thoughts mostly for a later segment here, David. But how about that? I mean, Clayton Kershaw looked like his 25 year old form instead of a 34 year old form in this game. Granted, he was pitching against the B squad that, that Rocco decided to run out there today. But the other thing to note 13 strikeouts, Dan Thompson. And to be honest, Sano only accounted for two of those. So that's pretty <laughs> shocking when you think about it. The Sano bash will begin you know what he, what has Sano done this year to earn all of this vitriol David I can't over imagine. 19 and <laughs> nine strikeouts that'll do it 
<laughs> he's gonna he's on the upswing. He's setting the bar pretty low. Maybe he had a secret ailment we didn't know about, David. <laughs> pretty low. I do love that he broke his bat after his last at bat this game. That made me happy. He's frustrated. At least he knows, yeah, he's yeah. frustrated. At least he knows he's frustrated. <laughs> like that's um, good. But this is another one, you know, where kind of felt like the twins gave up. You know, like yeah. they were just staring at the yes. blue jerseys and they were ready to be done and have an off day. Yeah, this one really bothered me because it was three runs. That's not infinite. Now, granted, with Kershaw dealing the way he was on the mound, three runs does feel a little bit like infinite but you know he's not going to pitch the full game you know he's not going to do that unless you literally are giving him one pitch out right they're not going to let him pitch that long because they want to keep him fresh for the rest of the season absolutely i mean the fact that we didn't even see correa pinch hit in any situation right there it said to me they were ready to be done with the dodgers and they're looking on to the next series i don't really want to talk anymore about this game like from a dodgers perspective it was fantastic i don't know what else you could possibly ask for other than kershaw actually finishing the game anyway let's go ahead and move into our segments touch them all kirby puckett puckett's picks winner finally david a victory for me here with by subtraction right i feel yes. like if carlos correa had played in game two i may not have won this thing but i ended up winning with four points for carlos correa four points uh the listeners had buxton which again always seems like a good choice but buxton finished with negative six dan thompson and then i had polanco who's nice and even you know even stevens zero points dan thompson so this brings me back even with with the listeners here for um for the season series and so i have one win the listeners have won, and you you don't have any wins yet, David, here. No, and my total for points scored in the season are negative two. So go me. <laughs> Beast versus bench. Is losing fun? Is losing fun. Beast versus bench, Dan. You got to do a little bit of digging to find your beast this time around. Who you got? So I actually went with the much maligned Max Kepler. Uh, Max well, Kepler did. Ladies and get gentlemen, on, please well, mark this in your diaries. Dan Thompson giving Max Kepler some love. What is this? Well, here's this? the thing. He, he drew a walk in game two. And he had two of the hits in game one. He actually drove in a run. He scored a run. I just thought lower in the lineup. I don't mind Max Kepler in the lineup. It's it's when Max Kepler is batting anything above eight uh, that I might quibble. So good on him. Um, he's got to be my beast. If people want to go back and listen to the season opener podcast, Dan's prediction had Kepler finishing as the least valuable player on the team. So a little bit of contrast here, Dan Thompson. Now, it's a long season, David. Also, lots, Dan thinks that Sano's hitting 41 home runs. <laughs> He's got a lot of games left, 156 of them to be sure. That's one every four games or so. He could still uh, do that. Anyway, yeah, I think Kepler was the only position player who's really worth considering. So I actually gave the Beast moniker to Archer. Uh, again, just because I think this this performance was very important, just to show that he is on the right track, back to the success, probably not the level that he once was, but he can at least be effective in this league still. And I thought, you know, no walks in four innings for a guy, for the reasons you just said, I think I was actually really encouraged too. What? Who's on your bench? Who else, Dan? Who would it possibly <laughs> well, be? I have Miguel a great Sano. one. All right, you go ahead and try to justify that pick. What do I need to say to justify You go it? ahead, because I have a better pick. So you go ahead. Ta okay. Tell me about Sano's line here. <laughs> You want an okay Miguel Sano's line in game one, 0 for 3 uh, with one strikeout. In game two, he went 0 for 3 with two strikeouts. Yeah, that's not bad compared to Byron Buxton. Byron Buxton went 0 for 8 in the series with six strikeouts. I'm not saying that Buxton had a good series. Well, I'm saying Buxton had a worse series than Sano, so that's why I picked Buxton. I'm, it's negligible. They both did terrible. Does that work? Well, I'm just saying that I believe this is not one of those moments that you can say that Sano was the worst player on the Twins on the weekend, because I or on the series, because I just don't think he was. <laughs> 
I don't even know how any, to respond. Any, We're arguing who did worse by two guys who neither of them got a hit or a walk on the series and struck right, well, out. Right. A and whole to be bunch fair, we had I, I think we had other options too. We could have gone with for guys who didn't get hits. Yes, yeah, I mean series, you could have so. really yeah pick a name uh, out of a hat and you would have been okay finding your your bench player this week. All right, well let's go to Rocco's Rewind. Rocco's Rewind. There's an off day tomorrow, is there not? Mm-hmm, so we have a day is. off, and then and then we have a four-game series against the Red Sox. We, I'm a part of the Twins, in case uh, people forget. Obviously, but, uh, yeah. yes. But there's an off day tomorrow. Why on earth are you playing your B squad, Dan? What are you doing here, Rocco? Like, you just lost a game. You have a chance to split against the Dodgers. You gave up before the game started. I don't understand what you're doing here. Put your best players on the field, especially when there's an off day. I don't, now... Who are you talking about here with this? Are you talking about Correa? Because Correa wasn't in the lineup. Who else? Are you, who else are you talking about? Correa started on the bench and Buxton DH'd. So you have your two main guys. Buxton's still at the plate, but still, I'd rather have Buxton in center than Celestino, right? Yeah, but I think you got to get Celestino time in center. I mean, I, I just I look at this right now, and and with with Kirilov going to the injured list, who else are you gonna turn to? Right now, on this, I mean, there's only a few bench guys on this team because they got 20 pitchers. It feels well, like what well, they do, but they brought up Larnick, so I mean, he he's going to be able to fill in here and there. But I guess what really bothers me is you're moving Polanco from second to short, and so that that's a big defensive downgrade from Correa to Polanco at short. And the center field again, I don't know how much it really impacts a game that the Twins lost seven to zero. It just bothered me that you're giving guys sort of this rest time when when there's an off day. So, so my Rocco's Rewind is really the maneuvering in game one when Arise came in to pinch hit, I thought was really interesting. So there's there's guys on base and Arise comes up with a chance to bring in a run and he ends up grounding out to shortstop, but the shortstop can't handle the ball for some reason. It was kind of an awkward play. Yes. Flicks the ball over the head of the second baseman, which allows the runner to score from third and so the Twins tie it up. But it, it definitely felt like he was preparing for the game to end. And at the time, I thought, this seems really smart, right? If it's really going to downpour, bravo to Rocco for doing that. But in some sense, it kind of backfired because then you've you've jostled your lineup for the rest of the game. That ended up going on way longer than anybody really anticipated at the time. I like I liked the aggressiveness. I wish it would have paid off with an actual hit and not a ground out because then the Twins still squandered the opportunity to take the lead after that with a runner at third, I believe, Yes, um, and one out. So I guess you're you're saying that you're you're happy that that Rocco was aggressive, thinking that the game was going to be shortened. Yeah, I think so. I, I guess I am happy. <laughs> That's a good point because I'm, I'm, <laughs> like, I'm just trying to understand exactly what we're I'm... like. Like you weren't criticizing; you were applauding, but I'm not quite understanding why. <laughs> I, I know I was applauding it in the moment. I'm just saying it backfired. I think in in a normal situation when the when you expect the game to go eight or nine innings, I don't think he makes that move in that moment. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think that's reasonable. Well, let's keep going here, Dan. Minnesota moment. Minnesota moment. So I got to go with Chris Archer's performance. I know I've talked about this a lot. It seems like it feels like that's all I'm talking about. Is Chris Archer pitches four innings, and apparently I, I'm getting a jersey. I'm doing all the things that a that a big Chris Archer fan does, Dan. But I do think, again, I think that is a great sign of things to come, a big confidence boost. Now, I do have to take issue a little bit. Hoag's when he, when he helped out with the opener, he said that I don't care about momentum or clubhouse guys. He conflated some things here because okay. I think there all is right, confidence right. that comes with wins. But yeah, the whole clubhouse guy thing, yeah, that does bother me. But yeah, if a, te- if a team wins five in a row, I do think that that matters. There is some momentum to be gained there. But I guess I just, yeah, I don't love the whole clubhouse guy type deal. 
First of all, you mentioned a team going on a five-game winning streak, David, and right now I can't see this <laughs> Twins team going on a five-game winning streak. Um, so I'm chuckling in my head at that comparison. I am really missing spring training right now because a four-inning start to me is just terrible, right? Because it means there's so many pitching changes and the game feels like it goes so much slower. Like I long for the great starting pitching outing that we used to get with Kenta Maeda or Johan Santana or help me out some Kyle Gibson is there another twin is there a twin who can give them for great twins pitchers you went with Kyle Gibson that's your third I was trying to come up with a recent how many years have you watched the twins and you're trying to list off the best performances and you list Kenta Maeda and then you Okay, but Kyle I was thinking Gibson of Kenta Maeda because then, he almost had Sam that meaningless no-hitter. Sam Deduno, all-time great. <laughs> I needed like a Carla Pavano reference in there or something, too. I, well, um, Carl, that one, that one would have been better than Kyle Gibson, Dan. Kyle Gibson, Kyle Gibson better for turned the out to be better. great in Texas after this. He left yeah, Minnesota and had a renaissance of his career after he gained his weight back. <laughs> <sighs> Okay. What, sorry, Can what I go ahead saying? with mine yes, here? Yes, I think I have, ahead. I have an interesting Minnesota moment. So the I twins. Th- all- Kyle Gibson third. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I just, just, just can't get over it. I was going to mention Brad Radke, but that felt like I was going too far back. Um, all right. So my Minnesota moment is the twins kind of getting perfect gamed by Clayton Kershaw today. Because all I could think about, David, was how we talked last year. That if a pitcher in one of those seven-inning fake games had pitched a perfect game, would that have counted? And it it just makes me wonder now. Like It makes me look at this outing differently because Kershaw left after the seventh inning. He had 80 pitches at that point. And he didn't come back out. And from what I read, you know, he and, and Roberts, the manager for the Dodgers, talked. And Clayton was like, no, it's the right call to take me out. We got to use me for long term. Because remember, I, I believe it was Wade Miley who threw a no-hitter for the Reds, one of those six-walk, yeah. meaningless no-hitters. And he threw like 150 pitches or so. It felt like that, 120 or 130. And he wasn't good for like the next month. So my question for you is, does this count in any way as a perfect game? No, it doesn't. I think that... I thought the way that you were going to pose this question was that let's assume that they pushed last night's game into today and made it a double header. And then Kershaw only had to get through seven if, if, if this was last season. Right, right, that's, right. That's sort of what you're getting at, right? Like, that's totally yeah. what I'm getting at is like we were we were just a little bit of a circumstance away from this being a very controversial outing. And it already was a controversial outing in some sense. Yeah. So I don't think it's perfect. I just don't know how you can do it when you didn't play a full game like And because the perfect game, like, there's no perfect football game, really. Like, for a quarterback, what even is, I mean, I guess if they go, you know, 25 for 25 and 400 yards and eight touchdowns or, you know, whatever, whatever crazy stat line you could give a quarterback. But in baseball, it's such a unique thing to say that you played this game as good as it could possibly be played. Mm -hmm. And so it's one of those things where to only do seven ninths of that, I don't think we can hold up on a pedestal, Dan. I don't think we can either, and that that's what made this so kind of painful to watch in some sense, because I remember when David Wells perfect gamed the Twins, and this was 20 years ago now or something like that, and and kind of being happy for like the experience. I wasn't there. It was at Yankee Stadium, but kind of like, I wonder if Twins fans who were at this Dodgers game today were kind of hoping that Kershaw would finish it just to be able to see greatness fulfilled and, and just kind of how sad that must have been for him to get pulled, understandably in some sense, but man alive, you got a perfect game right there. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know that you can care that much, especially this early in the season. If you're at a game and the opposing pitcher has a chance at a perfect game, you'll take that L happily just to say that you were there. Totally. I would have rather the Twins lost this game in a perfect game than to have it happen the way that it did today. Certainly. And a quick note, too, the Twins have never been no-hit at home. So Really? Every time they've been no-hit, it's been away from home. That was a that was what Dick Bramer said on the broadcast. So I guess I'm putting all my eggs in my Dick Bramer basket, Dan. <laughs> well. I, I have a basket. I have a basket with Dick Bramer's face on it. And all of my eggs are there, Dan. Let's move forward here to our next segment. I just don't know how it can get any better. Mauer's Musings. Mauer's Musings, Dan. Let's start with yours because I think yours is yours will have a larger impact on the twin season, uh, depending on the answer to your question. Sure. So Alex Kirloff is put on the injured list right before this game with lingering wrist soreness in the same wrist that was operated on last July. So we're talking nine months ago. And I am concerned that he's going to be out for a lot longer. The fact that surgery couldn't fix it yeah. and he's still dealing with that pain. I thought that was quite the revelation. I'm worried that he's going to have to get shut down again, and this might be the end of Alex Kirloff as we knew him and as we hoped. Maybe. I mean, the thing is, Lewis has had quite a few issues as well in the minor leagues and losing seasons and because of illness and injury, that sort of thing. So I think that he still has the opportunity, but I think you're right. This is just one more season of his major league career down the drain, likely. I mean, the fact that he was saying he has yet to swing without pain since the surgery, I mean, you can't keep playing like that and expect to be effective. No, and then it makes me wonder why didn't they address this a few months ago if he was really if it's january and he's still swinging i mean did the lockout have a play in that i mean i just that is really troubling to me because you saw the ripple effect i think royce lewis is an interesting comparison you saw the ripple effect that that caused granted the ripple allowed for carlos correa to come here for a season but that changes the calculus of the entire team when kirloff is arguably a guy they're counting on to be at the middle of the order for the foreseeable four or five seasons and now i think this just calls that into question um what about you yeah, so my question is, why is Arise struggling so much in the field? Mm-hmm. Are his knees that bad? Is it the lack of consistent playing time at any one particular position? But he's in rough shape, Dan. He doesn't look right. He's had, I think, three errors on the season, and none of them looked like, oh, yeah, I can see how that happened. Like, errors that he shouldn't really be making. Now, granted, no errors should be made, but there are some that are more forgivable, I would say, certainly. And the errors that Arise has given us have not been the forgivable type, Dan. And that makes me wonder, or maybe that explains why he didn't play so much in that Mariners series. Would you rather, right now, would you rather have a DH for the next 10 games? Would you rather have a rise at DH or Sanchez? If Jeffers can't make a throw to second base right now anyway, then let's put Sanchez behind home plate and then let's put a rise at DH and let's, let's do that. Because all of a sudden, David, this team looks very unhealthy right now. Yes. And it, it, where we thought that they had plenty of depth, but the rise is hurt, seemingly. Um, Kirilov is officially hurt and you've got two catchers who can't throw the ball. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> Those aren't what... injury. Those are, <laughs> I love, <laughs> I forget. I think it's on Barrero where they always say that this guy was limited in practice, but it wasn't due to injury. It's just due to performance. <laughs> Um, but, and I mean, maybe I'm missing somebody else, but I mean, those are some concerning injuries to two key players in this lineup. Yeah, certainly. Well, let's, let's keep moving here, Dan. Series grades time. I wonder what our grades are going to be. Series grades. All right. So it's the first time I get to quibble with your grade, um, this season, David. So you go (laughs) ahead and give yours and then I will, I will critique your grade. 
Yeah, I gave him an F minus, Dan. Yeah, that's uh, not a grade, David. It's okay. just an F. Go ahead. Okay. It's an F. They failed. They failed. I don't know what else there is to say. There's no redeeming quality of this series outside of Archer's start that I apparently am just, I can't believe how much I'm glad. <laughs> like, the whole episode, that's all I want to talk about is Chris Archer. And I think it's because, again, when they signed him, in my mind, I'm still thinking, oh, man, he's an all-star who just needed a cup, just needed a season to bounce back. And then you realize he's pitched, like, one inning in the past nine seasons and you're like oh wait hang on it's been a while since he was effective but yeah terrible terrible dan it's an f what do you got for me uh well i have an f as well i'm going to point to the one for 16 with runners in scoring <laughs> position across the, the series especially in game one if they just get a couple hits with runners in scoring position earlier uh before the dodgers get their six run binge in the eighth totally different game they might even call it um a little bit earlier if, again if, if they can score in the fifth so ugh, what a what a failed opportunity here to look good against a good team twins look bad against a good team they did and hopefully that trend won't continue because unfortunately dan the 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 continued gauntlet of april uh will drag on starting friday against the red sox all right well before we get to our pockets picks let's go to herbie's headlines i don't know jack it looked like herbeck pulled him off the bag herbie's headlines so Albert Pujols is now back with the Cardinals, and he hit a home run this week as a Cardinals player for the first time in a decade. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, the way that the way that St. Louis just embraces him still, um, you know, and St. Louis hasn't won a World Series since he was there. And so I, I love stories like that where guys go home. And by the way, how old is he, is Yadier Molina that <laughs> <laughs> that they could have as many games together? Yeah, that was yeah, pretty cool. Like, yeah. like he was there before and he's still around. Like he's that friend who just kind of never left and Albert went on and I don't know. I, I love that that he's there too and they have that reunion. So I do have one question for you, Dan. Do you think Pujols going back to St. Louis and hitting a home run, do you think that would be comparable if Kyle <laughs> Gibson came back and, no. st- and struck out a side? <laughs> No, I do not think – I don't think that's comparable. I was just trying to name another pitcher who was competent, and you made it seem like I was trying to name off, like, Twins think about all-star how much, pitchers. Oh, think about from how much the, like, that ball like, would go on eBay for. Pull yourself together, Kufus. Come on. I just love – I could see it in your face that you thought I was asking a real question. <laughs> All right, David. Well, I as much as I would love to talk about Kyle Gibson here in Herbie's headlines, and I will find a way. I think we're just going to leave it at the Pujols at the nice, warm, fuzzy moment there yes, with yes. Albert Pujols here, and uh, we can go ahead and go to Puckett's picks. And we'll see you Puckett's picks. The listeners, as always, Dan gets the first pick, and they take Buxton again. Not surprising. He's probably always going to be the first off the board, even with a terrible performance he just had, Dan. At some point, though, don't you have to go away from him and go with Correa? You would think so, and that's exactly what I did because Buxton was off the board, so I took Correa because <laughs> I just apparently, Dan, I am just bad at Puckett's picks this season. Well, okay, so they're, they're going to go play the Red Sox for four, and so I thought I'm going to go with Gary Sanchez, a player who knows the Red Sox well. I did not look at his stats against the Red Sox. I probably should have, but I well, think if anybody's going to Any stat be- with New York, Dan, if it was in the past four seasons, it probably wasn't good. Well, I'm going to hope that it's better here with the twins and he's going to bring some of that yankee pinstripe magic uh to to boston and he's gonna give them a boost and give me a boost here in puckett's picks could be dan well i mean that's all i got this is a four game series starts on a friday ends on a monday yeah make sure to uh set your clocks here folks because the game start is 10 10 on monday morning 
So hopefully schedule you around your meetings at work. Do what you can so you can watch that game. I don't know that I've ever seen that, Dan. A 10-10 a.m. start for a Twins game? Only in Boston. Only in Boston. They like to start them early out there. I guess. Keg and eggs there at Sam Adams, I suppose. Exactly. All right. Well, I'll send us out this time, David. Please do. Well, folks, if you like what you hear, please tell a friend. You can follow us on Twitter at Men for the Win. You can find our Men for the Win Facebook page. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to be notified when new episodes are available. If you could leave us a rating as well, that'd be great. A reminder also that episodes are now available on our YouTube channel. If you could drop us a like and a subscribe, we'd greatly appreciate it. Thank you for listening, and as always, go Twins. That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, go Twins!